0: Welcome to the Office 365 Developer Show. I'm your host, Jeremy Thake. The only show focused on Office 365 development where I talk to the experts from all over the globe coding on the Office 365 platform. For more information on Office 365 development, please visit dev.office.com and follow us on the hashtag Office365Dev. Welcome to episode 34. Today I'm talking with Rolando jimenez saldalgo on the extensibility story for the office client. Um, but before we jump into the show, I wanted to give you some updates from this week around the internet. The first one, which has come from the technical product team inside Building One, is uh, which is mainly Bill Bear and Mikhail Gideoni and Mark Cashman and, and all those folks, Jim Akin as well. And this one's around customer feedback for SharePoint Server. So you would have recently seen our announcements around SharePoint Server 2016 and um, there is a new user voice site in the same kind of ilk as what we do with SharePoint um, or Office Development All Up with our user voice specifically around development, but this one is for all things SharePoint server. And so there's some great suggestions coming through. There's over 208 votes for responsive design, basically around the mobile views and or knowledge solution for responsive design for SharePoint pages that are built in. And there's 107 votes for cross-site navigation, um, using term site-based solutions is not usable in a real-life multi-site collection scenario. The full Yammer integration is 122 votes and a bunch of other things in there as well. So if you are using SharePoint server or SharePoint in general, please go and check out those things. Create some new um, requests if you, if you have them and also um, definitely have a look at there from voting up the ones that people have already posted as well. The second link uh, today is around the new cloud storage integration for Office, um, which was posted on blogs.office.com by uh, Konis Bauer. And essentially it's around kind of this continuation from the partnership that we kind of had with Dropbox to make it easier to access, edit, and share Dropbox files from Office apps. Um, And what we've done is we've allowed this file picker notion inside the iPad and the iPhone and also with Office Online for viewing and editing documents uh, from other cloud storage integration partners. So the ones we've announced today, are essentially the ones in the cloud storage partner program which is Box, Citrix and Salesforce. So when you're inside Office Online, you'll be able to save these things to the various cloud storage providers and this is just the beginning really and you'll see over time that we'll add further integration here. So please read that post, it's definitely showing a much more open Approach from us around the office client, which you know is one of the highest used clients um, in, in, on the planet. So it's great to see us opening those things up to our storage providers. The third link today is another kind of part in the series that Tom Baginski is writing over at IT Unity, which is around you know this new world of office development. Kind of not that new uh, for us. We've been working on this for you know SBC 2012, but with the Office 365 APIs launched in the end of October, we've kind of pushed forward a bit more. And Todd does a great job of highlighting the property inspector sample that he helped us build, which has the MyApp capability and the iPad and Android and Cordova and Xamarin type mobile apps, um, and how that's using the Office 365 APIs and pulling from workflow and pulling from Exchange Online, Mail Calendar Contacts, and also from OneDrive files. So um, it's a great write-up, of a lot of the decisions that we made during the process of building that sample for the um, the kickoff session at TechEd Europe, and then another one on IT Unity by Dan Wallen is about integrating Angular JS with Active Directory services with Office 365. But this is part five, so this is something he's been going on for a long time about kind of connecting over to various different services in Office 365 APIs using Angular. Some great code samples there, there's some good kind of flow diagrams to explain what's going on in in that code sample that he's published on our our GitHub repo. So definitely go and check that out. Dan's very highly respected in the kind of Angular development community in general, really. Um, And it's a good ride up there to get an understanding of how Azure Active Directory and Owen works with the expense manager sample that he shipped in our repo on Office Dev. And then lastly, Jason Johnston has done a great post around the Office 365 APIs. Interesting, he's using Markdown in um, an Office 365 tutorial repo in his GitHub repo. And it's about getting started with Outlook Mail API and Ruby on Rails. So if you've done any Ruby work before, um, this is now kind of the definitive guide of how to use Ruby and call the Office 365 APIs. Um, He's built an auth helper there, which helps to kind of wrap all of that up. And then he shows actually calling through to the mail APIs, calling a REST call there to do a bunch of things and um, log off to help with troubleshooting and just get kind of messages from your inbox. I know Jason's going to keep revving on this, so I'm really excited to see the interest around Ruby within the ecosystem as we go forward. So with that, um, this is a really good interview with Rolando. I did ask him kind of curly questions around the future vision of where things are going and his thoughts on where we've been and um, I hope you enjoy the show. Again, the Yammer group's wide open. It's a little bit quiet, guys, so I'd love any kind of feedback there from people on what they'd like to hear around Office 365 development. I've just literally got back yesterday from Amsterdam and South Africa, where I went to the Office 365 summits, which are free events. There is one coming up at the end of March in Sydney in Australia, um, which I'll be attending as well. They're very highly attended events. We have some awesome speakers coming to that event and um, we have some great content there for developer, but other areas as well. So if you are interested in coming down, please go and register on uh, the Summit website, summit.office365.com. And uh, I'd love to see you there in person. I learned a lot from talking to people last week around where they are in the kind of journey of development with Office 365 and SharePoint server and Exchange server and and what they want to see from us in the future. So um, I'd like to keep that conversation going in the Yammer group. And if you've got any questions, feel free to jump in on that Yammer group, which is in the show notes and um, we can go from there. Have a good week, everybody, and um, we'll see you next week. Okay, so I'm here with Rolando today. We're uh, gonna talk a lot about apps for Office, specifically around Office 365 development. So um, welcome to the show, Rolando.
1: Thank you, Jeremy.
0: So um, we were just like sitting in your office. I think the Office tells a lot about someone in terms of Microsoft, and so, you know, you always look for the windowsill to see where the crystals are at. So there's a few big crystals over there. So how long have you worked in Microsoft, and how long have you worked in the Office team?
1: That's right. So we're just talking about this and I just realized the amount of time that I spent in the Office organization. So it's been nine years already that I've been with the Office team. Wow! Uh, I joined Microsoft uh, 12 years ago, a little bit over 12 years. So four years uh, before Office, I was working in uh, Dynamics. That was the name at that time. Now it's uh, Accepta great playing some of the products I work with, but always on the developer side. So always working on the developer tooling for Dynamics, for SharePoint when I joined Office, and now for the Office clients.
0: Right, okay, so you've got like a Pro Plus 2010 box over there, so you got some signatures on that, so you were part of that shipping with the dev story on that. That's
1: too. exactly, uh, the 2010 release was the one that uh, I first contributed with the client uh, a developer platform, and then from there, uh, 2013, and now going forward.
0: Yeah. And so you're now working still on the Office client, kind of the development story again.
1: That's right. That's my main focus and scope is the Office client extensibility story. Yeah. And obviously now that Office is going on many different platforms, the main focus for my team is uh, make sure that we have a great story there too.
0: So like where people would have seen you at TechEd Europe's and various other events where you present on like kind of the futures around apps for Office and what kind of things are going on there.
1: That's right. So the public name for what we're doing is Apps for Office. So that's how uh, you will find it. And we always try to talk about that in the big conferences. So we were at TechEd last year, and we're planning to be at Build uh, this coming year. So Yeah,
0: and we'll have a bunch of new announcements there, talking around this stuff as well. That's right, yeah. And so the, the direction from a development story on top of the Office client, obviously it's evolving as the Office clients evolve whether it was the announcements recently around Office for the Android platform, you know, obviously we've had great success with the iOS platform and we've just recently announced the Windows 10 preview for Office as well. So why was there almost you know, this huge focus then on this app model and this architectural change from maybe the traditional VSTO approach of doing things in 2007 and 2010 to more of this, you know, this app model approach being a lot more web development-based?
1: Yeah, so I think you touched on exactly one of the main reasons why we did this big shift uh, in 2013. As you said, we've been having extensibility based on VBA and, and add-ins, uh, COM and VSTO add-ins in the past. But those technologies were focused mostly on the desktop when Office was pretty much only available for Win32 and maybe some uh, level of Mac support. But when we started making Office more available on other platforms like Office Online and Office for the Mac and iOS, it turned out that we didn't really have an extensibility story that really integrated across all the different platforms and devices. And that plus the shift towards the cloud. So you know Office 365 is the big flagship that we are uh, betting all our efforts on and it's all cloud-based. So we really felt the need to go towards a new model, a new way to extend Office that really allows developers to create solutions that uh, take advantage of Office across all devices and also to use the power of the cloud so that you can actually connect to all those cloud services and leverage content and functionality uh, that is being served from outside of office.
0: And so what are some of the scenarios, like what are some of the clients that we've got already where we have that spread across not just the Win32? Like what products have we got already that are lit up in that way?
1: So we obviously started with uh, the clients that are most popular from an extensibility perspective uh, in the past and those are uh, the big four starting with Outlook, Excel, those are the most extended clients, Uh, Word as well, and we also have uh, support for PowerPoint. We also have apps for Office in other clients, but right now the main focus is on on those four. Those are the most popular applications for developers as well as for end users.
0: Yeah, it's, it's always good when you can show, like if I built an app for Office that works inside Outlook, the ability for me to demo that in Outlook on the Win32 desktop, as well as Outlook on online, you know, OR inside the web browser. And then also, you know, even on the the OER on the Mac or OS X, the new client that we, we shipped this early this year. That's right. So having that ability that you kind of you've built the app once with HTML and JavaScript and see it running in all those different platforms is really compelling in terms of the reach of the, the users. So is that notion the same for I know with Excel online now we have that support in mm-hmm. the Excel online in the web browser. So that's the idea, right, that we just roll that out across all of them.
1: That's exactly uh, the main focus for my team right now uh, is we want to make sure that uh, that write once and work everywhere promise for uh, what developers write, it's achieved. So right now, as you said, Outlook is already there for most of the clients. We have Outlook Online, Outlook uh, Win32 Desktop, Outlook Mac. Uh, We're working on the iOS version as well. Some of the other clients are still a little bit behind, but the ones that are catching up is Excel, for example. We have Excel desktop support as well as Excel online and we're working also on the iOS, uh, so that should come pretty soon. Word is also uh, another one where we already have support for Word in the desktop, and we're just about to release uh, the Word Online support. Actually, there is uh, an experiment right now, uh, 50%, so some users, uh, if you go to your OneDrive, and open up Word Online, uh, you may get uh, selected for the experiments. And what you will see is a new apps tab uh, on your Word Online experience that allows you to get access to these apps for office that, I mean, developers are publishing to the store. So as an end user, you will be able to access that functionality in Word Online too.
0: And so these experiments, is this something that we're going to be trying more and more as we try and reach out for feedback from users as they're consuming those clients?
1: Absolutely. I mean, with the shift to the cloud, one of the big benefits we see is the ability to uh, do much more experimentation and really learn what people are liking and not liking. So in terms of uh, rolling out uh, new features, we are definitely going to uh, rely much more on experimentation before we do final releases, uh, both for end users as well as developers. We're also trying uh, to explore ways in which we can experiment with uh, new APIs, as we thought about uh, new APIs. We want to first experiment, make sure that the API is what the developers need, what the developers want, before we actually release the final version of that API. Right.
0: And so when they go to the apps tab, is there like a a way that they're notified that it's there? Like, is it obvious to the user that they're part of that experiment, and when they click on it, like, what apps are they seeing in there? Is it certain you've picked apps, or how how does that work?
1: Yeah, that particular experiment is not necessarily kind of an in-your-face experiment. It's more of, like, you will notice uh, because, I mean, it's a new tab. Some users may may not realize it's there, but uh, for the users that realize it's there, we expect it's prominent enough so that there will be a big a percentage of users that will notice it so when you click on it what you will see is an entry point to the app store uh, that allows you to browse the inventory of apps created by third-party developers as well as some initial uh, apps that we kind of seeded uh, to give a users a sense of what type of functionality so initially we'll have a small subset of kind of pre-installed apps that will show up on that experience but the idea is that users in the future can go to the store and acquire more.
0: And when we think about that experience across the different clients, one thing when we showed it at TechEd Europe with the Excel app for the iPad uh, version of Office was that it's not a complete clone of what the experience is on the Office on the desktop. And so what's the philosophy there? Like how are you tackling that kind of the user interaction across those different platforms where the UX is very different?
1: That's a great question. That's something that uh, we continually discuss, and we want to reach a balance between uh, making sure that we're still inside the Office uh, look and feel, but at the same time, Office itself uh, is optimized for the different platforms. So if you use Office on the Win32 desktop, you will see that there are certain uh, UI elements like the ribbon that fit really well for mouse and, and keyboard. Uh, But if you use the the new Office for Android or the Office for iPad, you will realize that some of those elements are different. And that obviously has an impact on the extensibility story as well. So our approach is, uh, one, make sure that we abstract as much as possible from the developer, where we can, the differences. Uh, between uh, form factors. So for example, in the case of APIs, we want to completely abstract you away from the fact that you may be running on one place or the other, as long as the API has the same behavior and we can guarantee that. The UI is a little bit more nuanced because uh, obviously your app will have some UI that will need to adapt to the desktop UI or to the iOS UI. Yeah. So for that, uh, we are really betting on one, some of the, kind of industry de facto standards, like frameworks like Bootstrap that give you uh, theming that allow to allow you to easily create an app that adapts to uh, different sizes and form factors and and create some responsive UI. But we also want to provide some guidance and potentially some actual kind of CSS libraries that help you to adapt the UI of your app to the look and feel of Office in the particular platform. Yeah. So, but this is a topic that we continue to discuss internally, and we we haven't uh, really finished uh, the thinking on this area. So we, we should expect to continue evolving the thinking. And, and the goal is to really make it as easy as possible for developers to really create apps that look great in all the different form factors, even uh, when the platforms are kind of different looking.
0: Yeah, and I know you're working with a lot of the people in our preview program around that stuff as well, like the different ISVs and enterprise devs to kind of get their feedback, which is great. And obviously there's a lot of that going on on User Voice as well where people are, uh, I saw on the other day, it was around the, some of the Office JS hooks of what you can actually get at from your app that's living within Word or within Excel. Um, and it's great to see that kind of, coming in for an official channel of user voice and you guys kind of responding to that and getting that on your backlog. So um, it's good to see that that evolution is happening and that you guys are really, really listening.
1: That's right. Like, yeah, within the team, we are trying to make as much as possible a big priority for us to follow uh, what we learn uh, from partners and customers in the preview programs. And that is a channel that we are definitely uh, taking advantage of. And the other one, which is a broader, is the user voice. So, I mean, we look at the user voice, we uh, definitely take input from there, and that helps immensely in terms of prioritizing what's in our backlog.
0: So, you know, it really is a simple with, from a how to get started with having that XML file that you either uh, submit to the store or you register kind of side-loaded into the app catalogs to make them appear inside the kind of the, the experience for users or obviously with Visual Studio F5ing in and Visual Studio is doing all those hooks into the debugging of either the web browser or the, the desktop clients that are running on that dev machine. But once you've kind of, the XML is just pointing to the web server where your code's running, essentially it's HTML and JavaScript. Can you tell us a little bit about OfficeJS and some maybe by using examples, what what's actually the capabilities you get um, of essentially you're iframing a web page, but what can I do to interact with the document or the the client is living in
1: yeah, that is right. I think you touch on a couple of additional points that are kind of the uh, what we think is the value prop for the new model or the new platform, so we at the beginning of this talk, we talk about being multi platform multi device you create the solution once it works everywhere. but the other two benefits that we see on this platform is uh, first, as you said, this is all based on web standards now, so we want to, as much as possible, avoid the need for uh, people or developers to learn uh, Office-specific things. So what we have done is we bet on the web as to be the the development platform. So what you really do is you create a, a web page, as you said. The only difference uh, between web page and an app for Office is that in addition to building your web page with HTML and all the third-party libraries that uh, you would like to include uh, for your UI and your business logic, is that you create this XML manifest that you describe. And that XML manifest is a really lightweight uh, description of how the app integrates into the host applications, Word, Excel, PowerPoint, etc. So the other key piece of, uh, of the app model is that you not only can integrate in, in an iframe way, but you also have the ability to interact uh, with a JavaScript API. So office.js is the name of the library that uh, we host on our CDN. And the way you include it is just via standard JavaScript reference in your HTML page. And by doing that, basically, you have access to all the different APIs that we expose uh, that allow you to interact from within your HTML and JavaScript with the contents of the document or the host app. So, for example, one of the most popular apps that we have in in Word is uh, Wikipedia. So, Wikipedia was one of the first apps. uh, It's been published by Microsoft, but was one of the first apps that we published to the store. And the scenario there is obviously you're authoring a document, and you want to uh, get more insights about the content that you're writing, or even uh, bring some content from Wikipedia into your document. So what you do uh, from the app is, the app has access via the office.js library to events like selection change. It has access to read the data that the user has selected. And in the case of the Wikipedia, uh, the scenario is uh, Wikipedia listens for selection changes. It can know what you are looking at or what you're selecting, and it goes and fetches uh, related information from Wikipedia. Uh, Not only that, but it also allows uh, the end user to insert content from Wikipedia. So there's also APIs that allow you to write into the document. And in the case of Word, you can write uh, really rich content uh, from plain text, uh, all the way to complex uh, content, pretty much anything that can be described in the Open XML format, you can yeah. insert from within an app for Word uh, using the Office JavaScript APIs.
0: Okay, and so with, with that, is that the same if I had something in Excel or PowerPoint as well? Like, can I manipulate the content of those documents from within an app as well?
1: So we do have a a set of common APIs that work consistently across all the clients, but we also have APIs that are more specific to the particular host. So the basic uh, interaction is definitely common, like uh, knowing what the user is selecting, being able to read and write uh, content to the document, that you can do with the same set of APIs in Word, Excel, and PowerPoint. But there are also some specialized APIs that are only available in Word or Excel. And going forward, our intention is to uh, go deeper in some of those special uh, APIs so that uh, if you're creating an app that specializes in a data import or data analysis scenario that makes a lot of sense in Excel, you actually have the full power of all the relevant Excel objects like charts, tables, data connections, pivot tables. Right. You will be able to manipulate all those objects uh, in the context of an Excel uh, app for Office. So,
0: so the idea is, is the things that maybe VBA developers or you know, VSTO commanding guys are doing in general now eventually over time we'll go back and we'll, we'll kind of uh, one for one have those features come through where it makes sense
1: absolutely uh, we really want to uh, bring this this new platform to the level uh, of uh, capability that we had in in bba and commanding so that uh, those existing solutions can actually be moved to the new model and obviously the benefit uh, of doing that is that now those solutions will work uh, across uh, devices. Uh, and there's other benefits, like the deployment is much lighter weight. There's a store, so there's a, a consistent way for users to acquire and discover solutions. But even just the, the fact that you create the solution once and it will work across the, the, all the devices, I think it's, it's a big enough benefit.
0: Yeah, I think also from a skill set and a learning curve perspective, I've i done VSTO development in the past when I was a consultant, and it's it's certainly something that's quite nuanced in terms of being able to do it, whereas opposed to kind of looking at the app model, it's it definitely, I find, a lot easier as if I've got existing HTML or JavaScript skills to, to get started in building these things, too.
1: That's right, yeah. This time around, we're really trying to cater to the web developer, which we know there's... Uh, millions and millions of uh, people that know how to do web development. So it's relatively easy to find talent that can do that. And that was really our goal. Yeah. Uh, meet developers uh, where they are as opposed to make developers learn a, new, a completely new technology. Right. Uh, so that's that's one of the reasons behind betting on the on the web for this.
0: And what's funny with the Wikipedia one, we actually have that code sample, um, which I think it's the TypeScript sample. If you go to dev.office.com and the resources at the top, in the, in the top navigation, select code samples. You can actually search for the Wikipedia one and that's all sitting there in GitHub that people can pull down. And there's a similar one for Excel called the people graph, which is allowing you to read and write from Excel cells. And, and it's kind of a, a, a nice chart that's been built there. So there's there's lots of example samples. That What I recommend doing on the code samples page is We have filters on the left-hand side, and you can just simply filter by Apps for Office. Um, And even in products, you could filter by Outlook, for example, and it would show you all the samples for Outlook using Apps for Office. So that's one thing if you are trying to learn. There's a lot of samples that, uh, as uh, Rolando, I'm I'm currently sitting on his sofa, (laughs) and it has embossed in it or stitched in, actually. It's very flash. The, um, the app is grand champion for Bubbles. So w- Bubbles was another one of those open source projects too, right?
1: That's right, yeah. I mean, you, you touch on a very good point, uh, that we're trying to um, kind of jump into the wagon of making everything as open as possible. So as we build our uh, own app projects inside Microsoft, we're trying to also make those available samples Uh, via GitGov and all all the other repositories where we're uh, publishing samples. Uh, So, uh, you should definitely expect that uh, going forward. More and more of what we do, will try to make it available for developers to look at the source code. And
0: you just recently done another hackathon internally in January, so I'm working with some of your teams at the moment to work out, you know, anything substantial enough that it's worthy of putting in there as a repo? Because there was quite a few kind of spiked things that weren't quite complete. Um, so it's like that balance of, well, oh, it's not really solid enough to ship, but there are definitely a few that are, are really compelling to show.
1: Yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah, I mean, every time we have an opportunity to uh, make something, a sample that can be valuable for people to look at and learn how to do things. We're trying to take uh, that opportunity, so yeah. uh, definitely something that we expect uh, would be well received uh, with the community. And
0: then I guess the other thing to note, as we're talking about VSTO development, VBA development, combat in development, you know, we've made a very strong statement there that we will support those in the Win32 versions of Office uh, in the next major version of Office that we ship. Um, so you know, if you are at, do you, if you do have existing applications that you've built inside of those products, they will work in the next version of Office as well. Um, but obviously, you know, much like the same transformation process that we talk about around SharePoint development, going from full trust code to the app model, you know, the benefits that Rolando's just mentioned are certainly worth considering for existing customizations to Office that you've built in looking at how you could transform that to using the app model and leverage the your web development skill sets and the ability to reach all these clients, and obviously the distribution methods are certainly a lot easier with the app model than using the more traditional approaches.
1: Yeah, that is right, and it's also a very good point. Uh, We are very aware that uh, there's still very big ecosystem and strong community uh, building solutions on the existing technologies like BBA and and Comadin. so we have no intention to go away from those in the near future. I mean, eventually, we expect the, the new app model will be as compelling as the as the existing uh, technology in terms of capabilities and deep integration into the clients that people will actually prefer to build those solutions because of the benefits of multi-platform web standards and all those. But uh, for the time being, I mean, we, we still feel that uh, BBA and Kalmadins are very strong technologies. So, for people that uh, really focus on desktop or uh, on older versions of the clients where the apps for office are not supported, we will definitely continue to support that community.
0: Yeah, it's been funny sometimes, and again, I've not been at Microsoft a year yet, nearly, um, but it, there's this impression that we have this infinite army of engineers, that if we made the decision, okay, we need to get support for apps in iOS and Android and Windows 10 and whatever else we're gonna target, that it, overnight it can happen. And I think that we've maybe shielded that from the public a little bit in the past, where we had the three-year cycles of releasing things, um, and now we're going to this kind of more regular cycle. It's showing the fact that we are shipping as we get things complete, rather than kind of waiting to get coverage across everything and pushing the big release button. So, I mean, that, how do you find that challenge internally? Like, is that like do priorities change a lot when you when you feel like you've made a decision that maybe? this product on this host is priority, and then suddenly things change for various reasons. That's
1: right, I, I think I haven't thought about that perspective, but uh, you mentioned the fact that uh, being more agile and not having these uh, long cycles makes it more evident that, yeah, we have limited resources and we release incrementally, we no longer have these uh, really long cumulative uh, releases. so. Definitely, we, um, we have limitations like any other software project, and we're trying to make the right prioritization decisions to focus on the most important stuff first. But uh, we're also trying to take advantage of releasing in an agile cadence to be able to, as we talked at the beginning, do more experimentation bef- yeah. before we actually release. We may even release uh, more partial or things earlier in preview mode so that we can get feedback and then also prioritize accordingly. So there's definitely uh, going to be potentially a sense that uh, maybe we're not releasing as big of releases as we used before because, I mean, we're definitely not taking uh, those longer cycles anymore. But uh, what I do expect is that there will be much more frequent releases. and uh, I see that being beneficial because uh, it gives us a much closer feedback loop Instead of having to wait three years to right. learn what the community thinks about the release, we're going to be uh, releasing every quarter or every six months, and we're, we're going to react to, to uh, how the people uh, receive those.
0: Yeah, I think often, and I'm, you've been in the process for a long time, but when I was an MVP, kind of by the time we got certain builds to be able to play with ourselves, you guys had pretty much baked the product. So there was very little time for them, you guys, to react before the release. To any of the feedback that we would give whereas now with the, the way that you can release things into preview into various different environments we have for the preview program it means that you can almost immediately get us playing with things once you once you ship them in your own environment so the, the feedback loop working with the people in the preview programs is really exciting there
1: that is very true and obviously the cloud makes that uh super easy so yeah you will probably also see us uh releasing Uh, new features and new capabilities potentially on the online clients first, because that is a release vehicle that allows us to relatively easily and fast uh, get feedback, react and iterate, and then retrofit into the other platforms uh, as appropriate.
0: Yeah, and um, so Richard, we do these weekly updates at the beginning of each show where I I highlight, you know, people have been blogging around particular topics and um, I actually asked Richard Desariga to write this for us because it kept coming up as a question, which was if I'm hosting uh, an app in any of those particular clients, how do I connect back through to other services? And so the most common scenario we get asked is, well, I want to be able to take a, an attachment from Outlook because obviously I was going to use Office.js to get at that. But then I want to be able to save that back into SharePoint somewhere. And there are ISVs out there that have already done this. Uh, Harmony IEs is one example of that. There are others in there too that do similar things. Um, Serious Insights obviously saves the document back into Salesforce, and there's very other consumption there. But there's a few different approaches to um, handling authentication to other services. Um, And so I'll put Richard's post in there. But I just wondered, is there any advances there that you, you can share around if I'm authenticated into Office 365 that we can then call into those services without maybe the auth prompts that we get right now around those those flows.
1: Yeah, that's right. I think this is one of the areas that we want to make as seamless as possible. Today, as you mentioned, it is definitely possible to build an app that uh, integrates into Excel uh, or Outlook and at the same time uh, uses our services APIs. To uh, read or write data into uh, SharePoint or Exchange uh, or any of the backends that uh, have APIs out there. Uh, However, it's not as easy as we would like to. Uh, You mentioned some of the challenges, capturing credentials, authorizing the app. Those are some things that are a little bit uh, involved today in terms of the coding that you need to do. We definitely see that as an area where we need to make it super easy so the long-term direction is uh, we're going to bet on Office 365 and Azure AD as the mechanisms for uh, authenticating and authorizing apps. Yeah. So going forward, we expect to have a convergence towards uh, all the apps that you can create, regardless of whether it's uh, extending SharePoint or extending Excel on the client. They will have a common way to identify themselves towards uh, Azure Active Directory, which will be the central way in which we manage app identity and user identity. And the goal, obviously, is uh, that in Office, as you sign in with your either org ID or your Microsoft account credentials from a personal perspective, you will be able to, as an app developer, to get access to that user context and also uh, have a unique registration of your app with our uh, central Office 365 app registry, which is based on Azure AD, so that from your app code you can talk from within an app for Excel freely to SharePoint. Today, you need to do a little bit of manual uh, coordination. Yep. You need to go register the app in Azure ID, uh, get your client ID, and then use that in, in your app for Office. But going forward, uh, we want to uh, unify those two models. So yeah. uh, the expectation is that uh, we will start seeing more uh, unification on that front, uh, and obviously it will be around Office 365 and Azure AD as the identity provider. But
0: what's really neat there for anyone who was listening to Rob Howard's show that we did a few weeks ago, where we talked about right now it's the APIs really are the mail, calendar, contacts, and Files and uh, sites, as in SharePoint. But in the future, we're you know we're already talking about the Yammer APIs, the Office Graph API, which is the same thing that Delve consumes, as well as things like the document conversion and um, you know kind of document content APIs as well. Um, and then in the future, you know further down the track, things like the Skype API. And so the ability to call those APIs from within your app that's running inside those office clients is, is a really compelling kind of streamlined way of keeping that user's context across those other services that you can leverage. But also if the third party vendor is integrated with it as well, you can call off to those guys too. So um, I'm really excited to see you know, what happens in this world as people come up with really cool ideas of I mean, it's like going back 10 years when people were talking about mashups. I remember it was the thing, was it PopFly that Microsoft Research Popfly, built? PopFly, yes. Uh, where it was all about kind of like <laughs> connecting all these services together and making relevance of it. I think you know the, all these API service layers that we're gonna have is gonna really start to prove that you know there's information in there that once it's joined together can be really compelling, especially in context of if I'm working in Outlook or Excel or PowerPoint or Word. We
1: definitely see that as a really powerful model going forward. In my mind, the way I see it is that Office, from an end-user perspective, when it was initially released uh, back in the 90s, was really successful because it was the concept of a suite, right? Like you have all these functions available to you as an end-user. But from a developer perspective, we haven't really done a great job in making uh, Office feel like a suite, that the developer can really assume that, okay, uh, if my customer has Office, that means they have Exchange, they have Excel, so I can create a solution that takes advantage of all the Office products and i think we are realizing on that uh, vision of exposing office as a suite to the developer with office 365. office 365 really kind of guarantees that uh, if you have an office 365 subscription you pretty much have access to a lot of the office workloads the apis will be there the clients will be there so what we're looking uh, is that uh, developers can start really creating these solutions that integrate with the clients, with the service APIs, to create the really end-to-end and connected scenarios that that take advantage of the full power of the office as a suite from a developer perspective.
0: Yeah, I think part of that career development for maybe an office developer is that maybe they associate themselves as just the office developer in the past, and no, I don't do SharePoint development or other areas of what we cover. I think now it's really pushing both a SharePoint developer who probably said, no, I never did Office development and an Office developer who said they never did SharePoint development to actually be an Office all-up developer as in like the whole of the Office 365 suite. And I think because the app models are the same architecture and the same approaches, we'll see a lot more of that cross-pollination and maybe the identity changes of uh, from a career perspective. And we're already seeing it out there in the industry, but it would be exciting to see how that this evolves as we add those... Different services into this story as well. That's something
1: that we would really expect to see. I mean, one of the uh, reasons also for the unification is precisely that. Like before, as you mentioned, a developer that did SharePoint uh, may have a very different skill set and expertise compared to a developer that did Office Client. It were, completely different technologies. On one side, it was full-trust uh, server-side code in C-sharp. On the other side would be either VBA or maybe uh, COM add-ins, uh, potentially also with C-sharp but with a different set of uh, technology and restrictions. With the new model, those barriers are being broken uh, more and more, so now, Uh, The way you develop for SharePoint and the way you develop for Office clients is is pretty much exactly the same. You create a web application using HTML JavaScript with uh, optional server-side code in the language of your choice. And then you project and integrate that application uh, with extensions that allow you to project UI, custom UI elements into uh, SharePoint, the Office clients. And then you also have the service APIs uh, that you can use to programmatically access uh, the content and services on the backend. And that is true regardless of whether you want to integrate with Excel, SharePoint, Exchange, Skype, so uh, we, we really hope this model with, uh, as you said, create this new identity of uh, the office developer as someone that really can uh, create a solution that spans all the different workloads in contrast with what we had before, that you really uh, found this uh, kind of expertise spots and niches where uh, you really became an expert in SharePoint, but maybe not so much for a client development or vice versa.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Well, look, I really appreciate your time. I, I'm hoping and I, I guarantee that the guys on the other end of this podcast are, have got a lot out of this, so thank you again. And uh, we'll definitely get you on the show nearer the uh, announcements for kind of the build and the Ignite where we can talk a little bit more. We'll publish them after the event and talk a little bit more in detail about what we've announced there as well. So. Big thank you, and keep doing what you're doing. I love seeing all of the the store apps that keep propping up, showing off all this stuff, so it's uh, exciting times.
1: Absolutely. We're really excited, too, and there's uh, tons of new stuff coming up, so uh, we'll keep talking to talk about those. Great. Thanks very much, Rolando. All right. Thank you, Jeremy.
0: Thanks again for listening. Make sure you check out dev.office.com for all of your Office 365 developer needs. All the links from the show are in the blog post on blogsofficecom WACDev where you can find the latest news about Office 365. If you have any ideas for new shows or questions for us, please join us in our Yammer group in the Office 365 Technical Network. Have a great week, guys, and keep coding on Office 365.